We are talking travel this afternoon, thanks to our sponsor, Travel on King. Sally Lucas joins me. Good afternoon, Sally. Hi, Carl. How's things? Oh, look, I'm going all right. Now, you've, now you've got to tell me. Did you put Vicks on the bottom of your feet? Well, my next-door neighbour, who's Greek, said I should put ouzo on a cotton pad on my chest and then grind some black pepper on it, mm. and that would get rid of all my ills. As you do. However, <laughs> I tried neither and stuck to Nurofen, and I am feeling a lot better. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Please yourself. I mean, it works exactly. for me. <laughs> exactly. Um, today, Cole, I just thought I might take a little trip down memory lane because I was Ooh. thinking the other day about how long I've been in the industry and, and um, I started as a child, of course, back in 1966, the year of decimal currency. And so much has happened since those days in the travel industry. And I'm sure some of our listeners, if they're my age or older, will remember that Back in those days, we actually had a lot of airline and shipping offices in Newcastle, which we don't have anymore. Yeah. So we had P&O, we had Burns Philp, we had John Reed, and before it became Australian Airlines, we had TAA, we had Ansett, we had Qantas, we had British Airways, we had Singapore Airlines. We went to the Commonwealth Medical Officer to get our inoculations and get our little vaccination books stamped. We went up to a passport office and got our own passports. And as travel agents, we were allowed to lodge passport applications on behalf of our clients. Mm. So as a junior, you'd be doing all these little jobs. You'd go up to Customs House, which is now where the Customs House Hotel is, but it was actually a customs bureau back in those days. And you'd collect your customs guides to give out to your clients so they could know what to bring in and out of the country. So it was a very, very different world. And, of course, when I started, in the industry, most people went by ship yeah. um, around the world or to the UK, which was the big voyage for Australians, of course, to head overseas. Then we had the crisis in the Suez Canal. It was blocked. And we can remember we all had to work back and um, suddenly get people who were on ships on aeroplanes. You know, so suddenly, it, I guess it, it, it pushed air travel forward that time that the Suez Canal was blocked. Um, we did send people via the Panama Canal if they still really wanted to go by ship, which yeah. was a slightly longer route. But also we had areas that are now so commercial, but back in the early days when I was going on educationals for work, I can remember going one trip through the Philippines, um, Japan and Thailand, etc., and had a gentleman who was one of the agents with us who's saying, oh, there's this new place about to open up in Thailand called Phuket. Mm. <laughs> Phuket now yeah. is huge and so commercial. Yeah. Yes, it's so it's, it's how things have changed, how we've seen things revolutionise those of us that have been in the industry or even those of us that have been travelling over the last four decades or so. So it's really unbelievable how much it's gone forward how much airfares have actually gone down. Now, people might think I'm joking when I say that, but I was only talking to uh, Wayne, our station manager here recently, today actually. He was saying back in the 50s, his father went across to America um, for a job to be trained in a certain position and they had to pay £1,500, which was, we were still in pounds oh, in those yeah. days, that airfare. Now, that airfare related to today's wages would be about $100,000. <laughs> Which is just unbelievable, right? really. And we're not paying $100,000 no. for an airfare. No. So, you know, we are paying a lot of tax now on airfares. Once upon a time, there were virtually no taxes. You just paid for the airfare. Yeah. Very few taxes. Well, they were taxes, but they were minimal yeah. by comparison, whereas now you can buy a return fare to London and nearly the taxes are nearly as much as the airfare. So, yes, fair airfares have gone down, but taxes have gone up. Gone up. But yeah. overall, it's still cheaper in the long run. And also, we had the advent of things like jet about holidays, and this was our first foray as Australians really taking 
and embracing Asia as a destination for us to travel to. And we had these really cheap holidays for a couple of hundred bucks to go up to Singapore or Malaysia. And it really started all this travel for Australians to realise we had these other destinations close at hand that we could get to very reasonably. So, yes, it has changed dramatically. And, of course, as I said, I've been in it all those years on and off with a couple of breaks here and there, having a child and then having some time off with, with injury. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's been the industry I've been in all my life, basically. And I've been fortunate enough to have gone to all seven continents. But there is still so much of the world to see that I haven't seen because yeah. as we have progressed, more countries have opened their doors to tourism. So therefore, it's always growing. There are always a new destination or a new way of getting to a destination. All the options of travelling within a country now are are far, far, you know, more numerous than they ever were. Like, you could just do a coach tour and that was it once. Like, you didn't have river cruises. You didn't, you know, you had Pacific cruises and you had round-world voyages. But we were very limited. And now the world's your oyster. I mean, whether you want to go heli-skiing, whether you want to do an adventure trip, whether you want to climb a mountain, whether you want to go down a river, you know, whether you want to cruise or do a line voyage, you know, whether you want to do a round-the-world airfare or just concentrate on a, a country or Australia, our own beautiful country, who yeah. even our country is far more open now for travel than it ever was. Like uh, the bungles in Western Australia were only discovered last century, yeah. you know, and we're still discovering parts of our beautiful land. Yeah, that's right. It, it just makes you want to travel more, you know. I, I just think it, I look at it as one door opens, you close it back and then you turn around and then bang there's another door open and you you've got to go back and see that there always is and i mean you can go you don't have to go back to the same place of course as i said the world is your oyster there's so many destinations for you to choose from but a lot of people love going back because they feel familiar so they really fell in love with a, a particular destination they're more than happy to go back and revisit but maybe do it differently than they originally did it they might have done it as a coach tour way back when but then they go back and think no i'm going to hire a car this time or i'm going to do a river cruise or you know i'm going to do a rail journey because rail within Europe particularly now all the high speed trains we've got that get us between cities in Europe are just phenomenal which wasn't available once either so all I'm saying is yes travel is eternally evolving it's always changing which also makes it an interesting industry to be in because of that and we are all always learning and, and always trying to offer the listener and the general public an insight into you know all the different things that you can do out there today that are on offer for you that you wouldn't have had 30 or even 20 years ago, some of them. So, yeah, just think about it. Just think about it, even at home today. Just think about where have you been over the last decades. Yeah. Bring back some memories of where you might have been that are really pleasant or you might think, wow, yeah, things have probably changed since I was there 20 years ago. I'd love to go back and give it another go and do it a different way. We are talking travel this afternoon, thanks to our sponsor, Travel on King & Sale. Just before we start, a mm-hmm. uh, town in the US is issuing a fine for people wearing low-slung pants. You know what I'm talking about? You know how the... Larry undi- Low Pants? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Mm. Tell me. Rather than Harry High Pants. <laughs> yes, we're asking on the 2 and you RFM Facebook page today, uh, what other fashion statements would you like to see gone? I'd definitely like to see that gone. Yeah, what, what about trackies? Are you a bit of a trackie? No, I only around the house. Yeah. Or, or, or to a, if I'm going to the gym or something, you know, where it's in winter and then I'll have, you know, that on. But no, not not, not to sort of, you know, flaunt down the street. If you're in France, no. you'd never get away with it. You, yeah. Everyone is meticulously dressed. The, the reason I ask is because you're always dressed oh, beautiful. Let, me, oh, let me say that. There you go. Have, yeah, how about that? Thank you very much for the compliment. <laughs> I appreciate it. No trackie duckies for me, no. Oh, good. <laughs> um, 
What I thought I'd mention today, another little bit of interesting bits and bobs, is it's come out of a weekend edition of the of the Travel of the Sydney Morning Herald recently, and they're calling it the boasters with the mostest, and we're talking about who's got the biggest, the longest, the tallest, the whatever. So the longest walking track in the land is the Pacific Crest Trail, and it runs 4,264 kilometres from the US-Mexico border to Canada through California, Oregon, and Washington. If you want to walk it, about five months, if you'd like yeah. to walk that. <laughs> Fancy walking that far? <laughs> no, thanks. Or, of course, you can... Um, but there's bears in there, so you'd have to be careful somewhere along those places. The longest train journey is the legendary Trans-Siberian, which is 9,289 kilometres from Moscow to Vladivostok via Lake Baikal, and it takes seven days. The highest train journey, which is uh, more than 550 kilometres of a 1,956-kilometre journey, is the recent one that's been built between Qinghai and Tibet, um, and it's laid on permafrost. And every train has a doctor and enough oxygen for every passenger because the highest point, you're travelling through a pass at 5,072 metres. Wow. And it also passes through the world's highest and longest rail tunnels. The highest bar if you want to have a nice drink mm. up high somewhere and have wonderful views, it's at the Victoria Harbour at Ozone Bar in the Ritz-Carlton in Hong Kong. And it's on level 118, 468.8 metres above sea level. The biggest building is, of course, Dubai's Burj Khalifa, which is the world's tallest building at 828 metres with 124 eleva- uh, levels. rather. It also has the world's fastest elevators and the highest restaurant. The best restaurant, well, it keeps getting written off all the time. It's that Noma restaurant, which is in Copenhagen, where he sources everything from the ground. He forages. You know, you could be eating seaweed and mm. all these really unusual things. And, you know, cooks winter potato cooked in fermented barley and all these strange, strange <laughs> things. But anyway, it's still considered the best. Now, this is interesting. The best ethical travel destination, the Bahamas has been named Ethical Traveller's greenest destination, taking into account its environmental protection, social welfare and human rights. And others in that top ten included Chile, Latvia and Mauritius. Now, the most expensive tour. We've been talking about cost today. If you've got a spare million dollars or so, you could spot 18 endangered species in 12 countries with one-tenth going towards conservation projects through naturalworldsafaris.com. So $1.5 million will let couples visit all 962 UNESCO World Heritage Sites. You need about two years to do that one, though. And it also includes the 10 best photo shots as well and the 10 most luxurious suites in 21 days. (laughs) The biggest airport in the world. Now, this surprised me. I didn't realise this. is Hartsfield-Jackson Airport at Atlanta in the US. 92 million travellers a year it handles. Wow. Um, And Dubai's not very far behind it, as a matter of fact. Best airport always comes out best in the Skytrax Award is Singapore's Changi Airport, which is consistently rated one of the world's best, followed closely by Incheon in Seoul and Munich in Germany. Sydney Airport was ranked about 21. Best airline, Air New Zealand, was named Airline Rating 2014 Airline of the Year with Qantas the Best Economy Airline. Um, while Skytrax 2013 awarded it to Emirates, followed by Qatar Airways and Singapore Airlines, with Qantas coming in at 10. Um, longest flight, well, Qantas can now lay claim to that one now because they're going to be introducing 
the, um, well, not they have introduced rather, the Sydney to Dallas, which is a non-stop yeah. flight, which is 13,804 kilometres non-stop. Wow. And that is the longest um, flight. Best cruise ship, the godmother of all of the Royal Caribbean's cruise ships is the Allure of the Seas, 362 metres long and 225,000 tonnes, and she takes just under 6,500 passengers. So we've got some interesting bits and bobs there, haven't we? A lot of spam on that ship, I'd say. And also, believe it or not, Qantas has still got the award for the safest airline in the world. It still has not had any serious air accidents or loss of life. Um, so, yeah, most polluted city. Would you believe Delhi's bounced Beijing down to second place? Oh, right. uh, and Beijing's pretty polluted, but now they're saying Delhi. Singapore um, is the most expensive city, then Tokyo, and Sydney's actually fifth now. Oh, really? Most expensive city in the world. So they're just some interesting bits and pieces I thought I'd mention today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot more of them, but just a bit of fun. And so we're finding out about some of the hot deals in the marketplace this afternoon. We certainly are. And firstly, I'm turning across the ditch to our wonderful neighbours, the Kiwis, yep. Land of the Long White Cloud, Aotearoa, and there's a lovely 18-day New Zealand magic holiday with AAT Kings. Now, this particular one I'm mentioning is a one-off departure on the 15th of November. There are other departure dates available, but what they're doing on this departure, they're doing regional pick-up points. So they're including a transfer from places such as in our listening area, like maybe Foster, Gosford, Maitland, Newcastle, Raymond Terrace, Scone and Singleton, and organising for your transfers to and from Sydney because often getting to the airport can be a pain, pain in itself yeah. or if it's an early flight you've got to go down the night before etc etc or you don't want to leave your car in Sydney for 18 days it'll cost you a fortune <laughs> um, you know or you've got to organise an airport shuttle service which is not cheap either so I just this is something really good to mention that it's an 18 day fully inclusive itinerary um, full buffet breakfast dinner and there's quite a few um, highlight dinners in there and also hotel dinners so you've got about 11 dinners included in there as well all your sightseeing, do some fabulous stuff, you know, taking in both islands, Milf, cruising Milford Sound, you've got a, even free time in Queenstown, you're going to the Franz Joseph Glacier, you've got a transalpine rail journey even involved in it as well, which is fabulous. Um, so you're going the Bay of Islands, just to give you a rough idea, Auckland, Rotorua, Taupo, uh, Wellington, Picton, uh, Christchurch, um, Queenstown, Mount Cook, um, Dunedin, Tiana, uh, Milford Sound, Franz Joseph Glacier, Haast, Hokitika, etc. So a fabulous itinerary. So just keep that one in mind. It's about $4,500 all inclusive, oh, right. including your transfers from here. Just that one departure, though, 15 November, if you want the transfers. But other departures are available throughout the year if you make your own way to Sydney. Also, we've been talking rail recently, Colin, just to let people know now that a lot of the rail reservations in Europe are now opening a little earlier than they used to be, making it easier now to pre-book your rail journeys within Europe. And there's lots of fabulous discounted fares and even e-tickets available now, available in Italy as well, making it more cost-effective for you to travel, particularly within Italy. And they've now got some really fast trains that run between Milan in the north right down to Calabria in the south um, and also down to Naples and all the places people would really want to get to and fabulous. So it's really good that we can now have a wider option to book rail within Europe. Um, skiing, of course, is coming up here, but not just here. We've got to think even at the end of the year, if you wanted to go skiing in Europe or America, Canada, there's always some good ski packages. Of course, we haven't really had any snow yet and no. doesn't look as, 
our ski season might be much top unless we get a really cold spell come in. But anyway, if you felt like going to somewhere like Aspen in, in um, Colorado or something like that, you could do this. And they do have early bird at the moment uh, holidays with Ski Max, the operator Ski Max, um, 14 night packages with daily breakfast, uh, 14 day ski pass. Um, if you book um, early, you get um, 25% off. So ski 14 days, but only pay for seven, etc. So there's some good discounts available coming up for the ski season in the north. Um, Also, Avalon Waterways, they've still got some hot deals for this year uh, on a few departure dates of their European river cruising. And also for next year, they've got, um, that's coming up already as well. You can save up to $1,000 per couple on departures next year. But time is running out. You really need to get onto this fairly quickly. It's only while they have so many cabins available to sell at the reduced rate. Um, the ones for this year, as I said, you need to hop on very quickly and next year really as well. Um, we've been talking Hertie Gruten recently, which is that wonderful company that does the coastal voyaging along Norway and popping into all these fjords, as we've said. So guess what they've done to make it even more exciting? As it says, forget the airport bus, grab a husky sledge to your hotel. Oh, no. Yes. So imagine, oh. you're, imagine, you know, here you are arriving at your holiday destination, <laughs> but as you leave the airport, instead of being picked up by a minibus or coach, you're greeted by the sight of a husky or a team of huskies to whisk you off across snow-covered landscapes to your hotel. How fantastic would that be? That'd be great. Now, this is optional. I mean, you don't have to have them, but I would. And apparently on arrival at Kirkness Airport, they will give you all the suitable clothing to make Mm. the 45-minute journey by husky sledge to the hotel. And you don't worry about your luggage fitting on the sledge because it will follow in a a normal mode of transport, a minibus, so it won't get all covered in snow or anything like that. So this is going to be available to customers who are flying into Kirkness for the classic voyage south on the Hurtigruten voyage, and you will stay overnight at the Snow Hotel in oh. Kirkness for a night before joining the ship. How fantastic, hey? What a great experience what that would be. What a wonderful thing to do. So the uh, six-night classic uh, south voyage with a night at the Snow Hotel with your husky starts from just over $2,000 per person on a variety of dates from December through to April next year based on two people sharing. So um, Fantastic. Just something really different, I thought, that you yeah, could do. You know, so, that interesting. I, I like that. I think that'd be nice. I think it'd be fabulous. And don't forget, we've been talking last year as well about Christmas in Europe or winter in Europe. And just a reminder that there are still those fabulous packages available to stay in castles and chateaus. And also for the New Year, I mean, I don't know whether I mentioned last week, but don't forget you can do wonderful New Year's celebrations in um, Venice. They have some fabulous things happening there with fireworks. And you also visit Verona, which is the famous... Romeo and Juliet City, and you also visit Ljubljana in Slovenia as well. So there's some fabulous tours for the new year with Albatross Tours, as well as the pre-Christmas, the markets, and the Christmas tours. So I still think consider yeah. a white Christmas or yeah. a white holiday just for a change, because it's something we don't really experience. Yeah, escape. Yes, definitely. That's what it's all about, travel. It's about escaping (laughs) to your world, whatever your world may be. Now, whether it's a world of adventure, of rest and relaxation, of of, culture, history, you're just taking yourself right away from your day-to-day life and experiencing something new and wonderful.